You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition coming at you today. Really excited to answer all of your questions. And uh, here to help me do it is my dear pal and only my dear pal. Find him on Twitter, at BarleyHop. Had to make sure I was going to say that correctly. I'm so used to saying Maddie's Twitter handle. Craig, what's up? Not not much, guys. Just just for future reference, if Matt Lane ever asks you to go on an all-expenses-paid vacation, he's just sending you to his farm to work. That's why I wasn't here last week. Don't <laughs> let him play dumb. I did stay some extra days because I love his pigs, and I may or may not have slept in the pig house, but I am back. I'm ready to answer these questions. I I made Maddie indisposed this week to get out of there, but I'm here, and I'm ready to talk to everybody. Well, I'm glad you survived that. Uh, That was, uh, yeah, we missed you dearly for the stretch that you were out. Uh, We're going to answer a bunch of questions today. We've got a lot of them. And you guys, uh, as usual, brought some really good questions. And I, we've got possibly the greatest question in the history of our show. Effing Davis, first off, thank you so much for the extremely kind words. We genuinely appreciate that. But you also asked possibly the single greatest question I've ever seen. Which of the three amigos would each of you be? Now, it was pegged that Craig would know this, but you picked one of my five favorite movies and asked us which of the three Migos would be. So, I have I have laid this all out, okay? So, I feel like, Craig, if correct me if I'm wrong, and I'll, 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 I'll be a little condescending here. I'm Lucky Day, which is Steve Martin's character, Craig, just so you know, because... I've seen it a thousand times. I think I'm lucky day because sometimes I get thrust to being in the spoke being the spokesperson for this group. It's true. So I'll just I'll just go with lucky day there. Oh I man, think- he really had you really had to twist his arm to take Steve Martin off the table there. <laughs> hey, and if anyone can do work with me, work with me, look up here, look up here, look up here, it's me. It's true. I'm the one that's actually capable of doing that. Yes. So okay. All right. I think I think Craig or I think Maddie is Dusty Bottoms. I think he's Chevy Chase's character. Just just I'm not gonna say irrational confidence and swag, but if anybody in this group of the three of us has confidence and swag, tell me it's not Maddie. It's Maddie. It's it not is. me. And, and like, okay, like Dusty Bottoms is a little bit more just like just blind arrogance. And I don't think that's entirely Maddie, but if any of us has swag, it's it's Maddie, which means that you're very obviously Ned. You have the biggest heart. You would go start a school for children, for homeless children. You know a lot about planes, and you're surpri- and you're the most competent of all of us. 
I think it's very. I I disagree with that last piece. Okay, well, all I can say is if I wanted one person in our group to fly a plane, it'd be you. But I don't know how to fly a plane, so your your confidence in me would be misguided. You would come closest to being able to fly a plane. And I don't even think it's close. It's it's not close. I know for a fact it's not close. I would really like to watch Maddie try and fly a plane, though. I think that would be very fun. Well, with his irrational confidence. Yeah, he probably could. <laughs> I love that movie so much. I was I, I was reading I was reading quotes from the movie before before oh, because can't confirm he was really geeked to answer I was, this question i was <laughs> craig stepped off the mic for a second i was laughing out loud by myself I'm, I, you can kiss me on the veranda lips would be fine <laughs> <laughs> all right we gotta go i'm sorry i think it's a male plane all right kyle coffee 11 if I had to twist your arm right now, does Kansas City go edge or offensive tackle in the first round? I'm going to say edge. And the logic behind that isn't based on what they have on the roster right now. I know we know that Melvin Ingram is coming to visit Kansas City early this week. And so they're obviously trying to you know, find a solution there. But the confidence that they kind of had to go after tackles in this free agency class, and they were not linked to a single defensive end. They did not go in hard at defensive end at all. That makes me believe that they think that they can catch a defensive end, and if they're catching one, I would prefer that they address it in round one because that's where the good ones are. That's where you're going to find those, and if they are trying to develop a left tackle anyway, I would rather kind of wait on that position and get the good defensive end. Athletic profile matters at edge a lot and it's really hard to identify and grab those athletic profiles after the first round really even earlier than than 31 most of the time so um there's a lot of value in identifying and grabbing an athletic profile uh that can that can affect the passer uh big chief boy howdy given the boy howdy anytime someone says boy howdy i just it might have there here's a little leak boy howdy might be in the KC draft guides. It might be it might be on the cover of the KC draft. Perhaps. Guide. Perhaps. Uh if you go to gum.co slash KC draft guide twenty one, promo code lab, I think you get it for eight bucks. So uh there's just a promo again, just a reminder, and you can see I think by the time this releases, we'll be pretty close to the uh to the cover being released too. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, he says, boy, howdy, given the recent track record of young Chiefs linemen, is it a concern that Chiefs try to familiarize guys with all of the positions along the line? I worry making linemen flexible at all positions results in masters of none, and there's about to be a very lot, uh, or be, about to be a lot of new faces at training camp. I think that it's kind of, it kind of is a case-by-case basis. So I do think you're right, I think to some degree, especially at tackle, I think your preference is you want a guy to be able to just sit there and learn hold up at one position, learn it, get good at it. The Chiefs really haven't had a high-end draft pick since Eric Fisher that's really had to have this quandary, you know? I mean, Mitch Morse played at center. And he was a second-round pick. Eric Fisher, I believe, started at right tackle initially and moved over to a left tackle, which I think is the closest that they've gotten to really messing with a early offensive lineman lineman's kind of developmental arc if i'm correct 
Um, and we'll find out a little bit about Lucas Niang here, uh, if he's going to go out and play right tackle, uh, and if they're going to just be committed to him playing right tackle, uh, whether or not he wins the right tackle job. Yeah, I, 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 we talked about this a little bit with Lucas Niang when he was drafted last year and the Chiefs were talking about moving him to guard. That's one of those situations where we did not necessarily condone them to do that if the plan all along was for him to play tackle. I get that it's a best five situation with Andy Reid. Sometimes he just wants the best five offensive linemen on the field, and I get that to a point. But these young guys, like Matt or like Kent said just now, are the types of guys that you want to work at one position, get good at that one position. If you want him to be the tackle of the future, play him at the tackle of the future. We talk about Joe Tooney and his ability to play all five positions on the line. That's cool and all, but Joe Tooney has, by and large, for his career, played left guard. He started at left tackle in college. They moved him inside to guard, and then they didn't move him again except for emergencies. Same with Kyle Long. It was an emergency year at right tackle for them. He found out a week before the season he was playing right tackle, so it wasn't the plan necessarily. You got to stick with guys, have them be good in their spots, and take advantage of those skill sets where you can don't move them around for you know for no good reason because that doesn't do anybody any good. All right, time for the Twitter questions, and we got one from Primetime Perrin, and it's actually William, the nine-year-old from Keswick, Canada, and he gets a bump up to the front of the line because if you're if all kids get a bump to the front of the line, that's so awesome. Well, the Chiefs trade up in the draft for a tackle. Also, what do you think about Josh Palmer, the Canadian? Thank you. Guys, <laughs> thank you. You guys are so funny, and my papa loves me and my papa love listening. Thank you, William. You thank rule. you, William. I I'm glad that you find Maddie funny. I, I think he's a <laughs> funny guy too. I'm sorry this episode's not going to be as funny to you, but <laughs> yes, I do think that the Chiefs are going to trade up for a tackle. I I think at some point in the draft they're going to have to. I don't know that it's going to be in the first round. I think that it could be in the second round. They could see maybe a run on them after they go defensive end in the first round. They may need to trade up for like a Dylan Radens, a Sam Cosme, somebody like that as they fall to the middle of the second round. I wouldn't be surprised by that. And I also wouldn't hate that because you don't want to miss out on one of those guys. And then Josh Palmer is one of my favorite receivers. He's one of Kent's favorites as well. So I will let him wax poetic i will cede my time to kent here because kent really loves josh palmer i believe he has the highest grade on josh palmer of any of us that i have looked at him so do. far do i have a i have a high i have a low round two grade on josh palmer right now and i don't really know if i regret it the thing i really like about josh palmer is i think he's a pretty complete player I think, you know, he does a lot of little things that are going to help you in football games. So he's an outstanding blocker that gives outstanding effort. And so anytime he's on the football field, he's going to do, you know, the things necessary to win football games. And I love that about him. So, you know, high effort player, great blocker. If you put him on special teams, he's going to be a good special teams player. But you put on all top of that is, I mean, he's a big physical receiver that can get off the line of scrimmage. So he could play the X position. You know, he's a guy that can, you know, get off the line of scrimmage, beat press, physical, uh, and be physical through contact and make contested catches in contact, uh, through contact. 
And then you've got, you know, his ability in the air. He's a, you know, he's a jump ball winner. He's got outstanding body control. He can adjust to the football and, and make plays on the football. You know, it's a, not a 50-50 ball for him. It's a 60-40. It's a 70-30 ball when the ball's in the air towards Josh Palmer's direction. I don't think he separates at the same level that some other guys do, but I think he's a better route runner than people give him credit for. And so I appreciate about that him appreciate that about him. I really like him. There's just a lot about him, the football player that I'm a big fan of. And I believe in his ability to stick around in the league for a long time because of a lot of the reasons I just outlined. Great yeah, and he looked great at the senior bowl, by the way. Balls Absolutely out. great at the senior bowl. I, so, I don't remember him losing a one on one. And there's, yeah. There's, he, there's nothing to there's nothing not to like about him. Yeah. I just, you know, I put him on my football team. I, you know, I think he's good value. He's probably going to go third round earliest. I have a little bit higher on a grade on him. That's okay. Uh, I would love to get him in the third round. Josh Dunback. We all knew the roster turnover rebuild after last year's run it back tour was inevitable. Has it been worse or not as bad as you originally thought? Um, I think it's, I mean, I think it's been a little bit rough, honestly. Uh, I think, and honestly, I don't think the Chiefs were really anticipating having to deal with some of the stuff that they're dealing right now. It just doesn't feel like, you know, what they're experiencing right now is part of what they anticipated. I, I know it sounds weird. Maybe it's, I don't know. I don't know exactly what the under underlying issues there are, but it does feel as though maybe they've struck out a little bit more than they thought they were going to. It feels like there are a lot more questions. I, I think some people that are optimistic are like, just, Hey, we'll worry about it. Don't worry about it. There's a lot of time. There is a lot of time to build this roster. There's not a lot of time to build this roster with quality talent and depth. I think it's going to be harder for them to field a roster. That's better than this year's team. I think it's getting tougher. I think the talent out there is making it more challenging for them to build a roster. That is as talented as the team that they just saw. So it's kind of looking like a rebuild in a lot of regard. Yeah, as much of a rebuild as you with I mean, Patrick Mahomes yeah, and Andy Reid They're Reed still going to be yes. really, really good. Absolutely. Absolutely. But the free agency market has, by and large, dried up. I I think this is mostly what, what I expected outside of the Eric Fisher injury. That's the big wrench. I think I think we can all acknowledge that that's the big wrench here. Yes. I think, I think the Chiefs drafted for Mitchell Schwartz's replacement. This last year with Lucas Niang, and I think this looks a lot different. I think we're all a lot more confident in the ability of this team if Eric Fisher is healthy. Now, they knew he wasn't healthy, and they cut him anyway. And yes, they could bring him back once he gets healthy, but who knows when that's going to be. They don't really have a good solution at left tackle right now, and starting a rookie is not going to be a massive improvement over what they did last year. Now, in the future it may be, but... Right now, you know, week one, it's not better. And that's terrifying because all it takes is one hit for Patrick Mahomes. Like, you have to protect the franchise. You can't let him go behind another piecemeal offensive line again. We are to the point now where you need to surround him with offensive weapons and offensive linemen every single year that you can. If you want to invest heavily in Joe Tooney to play left guard and pay him like the best left guard on the market, that's fine. He can't be your only foundational piece. He can't be your only rock-solid stud offensive lineman. You've got to surround Patrick Mahomes with five of them, and you got to give him good weapons. If you sacrifice your defense, then so be it. You know, score 100. I, and that's me saying that. Score 100. Good. That's been 
You've been hanging around me a lot more. This is great. I know. But that's been my problem with this entire offseason is that there was a plan, a very clear one, and they went after some of these guys and they missed on them. But plan B wasn't there and plan C wasn't there and plan D wasn't there. And now short of trading picks for players, you're really not going to be able to improve the week one roster in a way that is measurable at offensive line. And if you get your quarterback killed, then it doesn't really matter if you can address it later on in the year. Also, trading picks for players has consequences, too. Absolutely. Because the Chiefs needed to identify people without draft capital attached to them. Because they need those draft picks to continue to build depth and give themselves chance at depth on this roster. You know what would have been an awesome year to spend really heavily in free agency? A year when you're not really losing big free agents, like this year. You don't hurt the compensatory formula if nobody's signing elsewhere. The Chiefs' free agents were not out there signing for big money deals. So if you're in big on free agents, you're not hurting yourself by signing those. Next year might be different. You know, it's it's not as simple as it just hurts cascadingly down, unfortunately. And I I don't want to like I and like there's a lot of layers like free agency teams players have to choose to come here. Absolutely. And the money has to be right. Mm-hmm. And the Chiefs have tried. They've just struck out a lot. Sure. They tried. I mean, they went after Trent Williams and it sounded like they almost made they almost convinced Trent Williams to leave a place that a lot of like I, he really did. That sound he like wanted he really to be. Wanted to. Yeah. Right. He wanted to be. So, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, it, it's tough. I mean, it's, it's it, there, it takes two to tango. Mm-hmm. I, I don't plan you know, B, I don't, though. What's plan C? What's plan D? That's my problem. It seemed like there was a plan A this offseason and nothing else, unfortunately. I think it was really difficult for them to come up with a bunch of contingencies about the tackle position. Because, frankly, I think at this point, it really doesn't matter who the tackle is. There's going to be a lot of angst and stress and conversations every week leading up to the game mm-hmm. about can Alejandro Villanueva hold up? Will Russell Okung be healthy enough this week to hold up at left tackle? Is Jalen Mayfield going to have a bunch of rookie mistakes that are going to get Mahomes killed? I mean, yeah. Is, it's Is Liam Eikenberg ready? Yeah. Week one. You know, like, I mean, these are just, I mean, it doesn't matter who it is. We are going to have questions about the left tackle position this year different than we ever have. And that's just the reality of the situation. Chiefs smash 85. Melvin Ingram. Good fit or bad fit for SPACs. Proven pass rusher of healthy. Thanks for taking questions. Ah, thank you, man. Um, He's short. For a typical Steve Spagnuolo edge, he would be, I believe, the first man to play with under 32-inch arms since Spagnuolo has been a defensive coordinator, if I'm remembering Maddie correctly on this. But the problem with that is that when push comes to shove and you need a defensive end, a guy like Melvin Ingram, who has proven that that length is not necessarily the issue that some you know other guys have been like when they're coming into the league or when they're you know lesser money free agents and stuff like that. Melvin Ingram has been a proven pass rusher for a long time now. He gets after the quarterback well. That length isn't as much of a hindrance as it is with some other guys. He's just not probably going to be a guy that you kick inside and play your defensive ends like defensive tackles like Spagnuolo likes to do with some of these other guys. He's going to be on the outside if he signs here. I think that's a good signing because it gives you a little more juice off the edge. 
All right, Jeff Pars, can you please talk Chiefs fans off the edge? <laughs> no. Okay. Well, I'm no. I mean, that's never gonna happen. But um, okay. So Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback, and he's gonna mask a lot of the deficiencies of this football team for the next twelve years. And there's a lot of questions about this roster right now. Uh, but the one question you don't have is, is if Patrick Mahomes can overcome it. The offensive line will be better um, than it was in the Super Bowl. And just, you know, to some degree, here's the thing. Base, you know, average, slightly below average quarter, uh, offensive line play, you can probably live with it. And Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid will figure a lot of it out, right? I think the problem is you don't want that to be the case. You want this team to have a little bit better offensive line and the best offensive line it can possibly field. But he's going to overcome a lot of the obstacles. Um, there's still some talent that's going to be available to help make this roster better than it is now. And, you know, there's going to be some players that are released that they might be able to go and identify here at some point as well. So there's places, the ways for this team to get better. It's just how much better can they get? It's if they can be better than last year, if it's going to be enough for them to win a Super Bowl. I think Patrick Mahomes will mask a lot of these issues, though. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. But, oh, by the no, but real quick, there are issues. <laughs> I'm not going to, don't, like, uh, the, sunshine, the sunshine and random boats, all the draft picks that the Chiefs have aren't, aren't as good as you think. Um, that's just the reality of the situation. There's not Except a the lot of Except the ones that I like, then they're as good as I think. There's just not a lot of hope for Colin Saunders. There isn't. McColl isn't ready to take a step. Byron Pringle isn't ready to take a step. I mean, I'm sorry. Dorian O'Daniel is never going to be more than a special teams player. Marnie Watts isn't ready to play on the field on defense more. These are big whiffs. Mm -hmm. They are. And, I mean, I, th there's to just To be fair, I'm not going to hold Armani Watts against him. That's a day three pick. No, like, I'm, no not I'm not talking about Brett Armani Beach. Watts, I, just, you yeah. know, I just think overall, like, we need to come, like... I don't I, I I think you should operate on the side of pessimism with the roster construction always. You should always like cuz I think the here's the thing, Brett Veach does. Brett Veach doesn't think as highly of these players as you do. Oh no. Most fans. Every GM the hates their roster. Like every they're going to come out is, and tell GM, you that they love it, but they don't. <laughs> they're actively trying to make they know their they know their misses, they know their mistakes. Mm -hmm. And they're actively trying to fix them at all times. Any chance they can. So I don't think that the belief in some of the players, like I think that I think the Chiefs are out on some players that that might stick around for depth, but you probably aren't gonna love their. You're probably aren't gonna love Brett Veach's opinion of some of the players that you. I mean, that's just that's just the nature of the the, the business. Mm -hmm. We're gonna take a break and we'll be back with more of your questions right after this. All right, continuing to answer your questions here, DDUT120. Could Frank Clark be included in a left tackle trade along with picks, say, for Jeremy Tunsil? Or would that result in a Carson Wentz situation where we still have to pay his salary cap for him to play with another team? So for what it's worth, trading Frank Clark would come with a $19.3 million dead cap hit and would save... $6.45 million against the cap this year. That would be fine and all of that, but then you have zero defensive ends on your roster. 
Frank Clark, for whatever you think about him, is a building block piece for this defense. He's a tone setter. He's a guy that Steve Spagnuolo loves and covets, and he wants him on the field because of what he can do and how the offense has to tilt against him. Whether or not he's doing the things that are making that offense tilt against him, the offense still treats him that way. Watch the way that they block, the way that they run plays. Having Frank Clark on the field is a positive in that regard. Now, yes, we would love to see more production and everything like that, but trading Frank Clark leaves you with no defensive ends. You are weak at cornerback because you haven't invested in that position either. Your linebackers are not particularly good. Basically, you are throwing in the towel by and large on your defense. You are saying... That's fine. They're going to give up a bunch of points. We're not going to be able to get after the passer at all. But we saved some money. We added a left tackle over there. So if that's your approach, fine. I would not do that, though. Especially giving up picks on top of trading Frank Clark. This is an organization that literally traded for Frank Clark two years ago. I I just don't foresee them doing something like that at all. Chief South says, I've noticed that Andy Reid likes to take some plays from offensive col- or uh, from offenses of college prospects the Chiefs scout. If you could add a few plays to the offense or defensive playbook from the college ranks, which would it be? So uh, one of the things I've really liked is some of the stacks that they've the Florida's used Kadarius Tony out of. Um, they've motioned him into some really nice little stacks and like just stacks with the receivers and you know both attacking upfield vertically and then breaking off of that. Um, it's a nice little thing. Like you could see Tyreek Hill operating on some of those. It just kind of it's got to depend on the coverage that you're gonna see. You know, some of these things are it's just coverage dependent. Um, a lot of you know, Andy Reid really has liked a lot of the misdirection stuff that you've seen typically um, from the from the offensive you know games that he's watched. That's why you saw a lot of the shovel play stuff and that mesh, mesh point madness that you know you've got the the motion right, motion left, and then the the shovel pass kind of operating on the same plane at the same time. Um, so he's found a lot of really cool misdirection there, but I would like to see some of the stack stuff that the, um, you know, the, the Florida kind of ran with some with Kadarius Tony a little bit. Uh, Andrew Nagel too. What what's a reasonable expectation for Willie Gay this season? What player should he play like if he develops? Love the question. <laughs> I I mean the reasonable expectation is that he's a day one week one starter and that he plays at a pretty high level as a pursuit linebacker. You're going to see him go through some growing pains. He's going to miss uh, several reads, things like that. That's fine. That's going to happen. We were fine with those when he was playing this year. We'll be fine with him when he's playing with them this coming year. I fully expect that he has Derek Johnson potential because of the way he slips blocks and the downhill nature that he plays. It's going to take him a while to get to Derek Johnson's coverage ability, but it took Derek Johnson a while to get to Derek Johnson's coverage ability as well. So grow with him a little bit. Don't put too much on him. Hope that he's going to make enough splash plays behind the line of scrimmage and in coverage. We saw a few of those as well last year. Hope that he's going to make enough of those to make up for the mistakes that he makes early on. And then as he grows, hopefully Anthony Hitchens isn't having to help him as much. And the two of them can work off of each other really well. And they can both play fast because both of them are playing fast. You got a pretty decent set of linebackers there. Jackie Jared, 428. If you were to guess who the left tackle is week one next season, who would it be? Uh, I'm going to go with... 
I'm going to go with Russell Okung on a one-year deal. Uh, and I will say this. I, I've done a little research on Sean Culkin and Russell Okung, that picture, that vague tweet. I'm pretty sure it's about Bitcoin, and it has nothing to do with him signing with the Chiefs. I'm 99% sure it's about Bitcoin and nothing to do with the Chiefs, yes. Did you go looking, too? I, I mean, I, I've seen the Bitcoin, the, the the eyes thing before. So, Oh, is I, the eyes a Bitcoin thing? Yeah, I think it is, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I just kind of started doing some research, like <laughs> looking into Russell Okung's likes and Sean Culkin was just talking about how <laughs> this is Sean Colgan. This is Chiefs tight end Sean Colgan. Oh Colgan. my goodness. You went down the rabbit hole to try Russell and figure Okung out if the Chiefs were getting Russell Okung. <laughs> I'm just saying. Uh <laughs> Sean Colgan, your Chiefs tight end tweeted out, uh I make lean min I make league minimum, but if I get paid in Bitcoin or invest it all in big point Bitcoin Bitcoin, I'm one of the richest players in the National Football League. <laughs> My man is all in on Bitcoin, and I don't – yeah, I'm not going to go all the way there. But anyways, Russell Okung, one-year deal. I don't think there's a ton of tackles available left. I think he's the best of the bunch, and there's some injury risk associated with him. But guess what? If you draft a left tackle in the first round and Russell Okung gets injured, you got someone there. I'm going to say Alejandro Villanueva, and I'm not going to be particularly happy about it. I think a lot of us remember Alejandro Villanueva from a couple years ago. And that player, I would be happy to have. But he has really fallen off quite a bit lately. He just doesn't move the same way. Struggles to get depth in his pass sets, which is bad when you've got Patrick Mahomes as your quarterback. Like he, He's going to drift out the back of the pocket a lot. So I, I think that it might be him. And I think that midway through the season, maybe Eric Fisher's back. Like, I mean, I think I'm not expecting it to go well with Alejandro Villanueva, but he might be the stopgap you need to draft a round two left tackle and have him develop. All right. AC Rocker, talk me out of trading up for Quiddy Pay. Assuming the Chiefs plug the dam this free agency by making mid level signings at left tackle, wide receiver, defensive end. Wouldn't pay finally solidify the defensive end spot for half a decade? Man, I would love Quiddy Pay. Don't get me wrong here. But trading up for Quiddy Pay is going to be the hard part because those positions that you mentioned, left tackle, wide receiver, you know, mid-level signing at defensive end, those are all one-year deals. The Chiefs have to hit on some early-round talent. And if you're moving up for Quiddy Pay, you're probably moving up into the mid-teens to go get him. That means you're going to have to spend a second-round draft pick in this draft along with your first. You're going to have to maybe spend some more additional. I haven't looked you know, to see exactly what the number is. But basically, you're going to be giving up multiple picks to go get that guy. Quiddy Pay is really, really good. And I like Quiddy Pay a lot. Quiddy Pay and the drop off to Aziz Oshalari or, you know, Jason Oa or guys like that is I'm not... out on Aziz Oshalari after those after those. Oh, I'm numbers. still in on him because I watched that man play football. I don't need an athletic profile. I saw him. I do because pass rusher Matt athletic profile it. for pass rushers Listen, matters. You can you can have that. And that's this is also me saying Jason Oa, who I watched play football, and he'd had zero production, but I just think that there's the cliff isn't as big from Quiddy Pay to the next guy down there. And I think if you get rid of your second rounder, you basically throw away 
any chance at adding another player in the draft that's going to significantly contribute to your team in year one. Uh, it's just too much to get up there for him. I just I don't want really the Chiefs to trade up all that much, if I'm being honest, but that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, and Russell, 2018. I know his injury history is the big concern, but is there a path for Prince Tigo Winogu, Winogo to be part of the solution at tackle? A swing tackle, perhaps? I think anything you get out of Prince Tigo Winogo is gravy. I think it's going to be very difficult. I, th I think the very the talent has never been an issue for him. He's very obviously got a lot of talent as a football player. The problem for him has been health. There was major medical red flags when he was drafted in the fifth round by the Philadelphia Eagles, but he was re released by the Philadelphia Eagles uh, off of their practice squad. That doesn't normally bode well for someone with already big medical risk already being released but in, in you know before uh, the year is up. I am not overly optimistic about a talent like Prince Tiga Winogo, even though I love the talent. I love the swing on the lottery pick, and hopefully things are healthy. He's healthy enough uh, here in the next couple of years that maybe he's able to to be something more than you know just a practice squad player. But I think you know it, it's going to be it's you cannot you cannot plan in any way, shape, or form on Prince Tiga Winogo being part of this team. You have to plan on players that are going to be available. The best availability is or best ability is availability. And Prince Tigo Winogo has not shown that yet. So that's now, a big concern. That being said, when he is available, whew, whew, tape is good. <laughs> yeah, tape's great. Yeah, Tape's great. It's just... You got to be healthy. You got to be healthy, man. Uh, for context, we have a higher grade. We had a higher grade on Prince Tigo Winogo than we did on DeAndre Baker. And everybody's excited about DeAndre Baker. We like Prince Tigo Winogo better as a football player. It's just the circumstances surrounding him. I, I would 100% uh, believe that DeAndre Baker is going to play a snap for this Chiefs team before Prince Tiga would no-go, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Leighton Y, 44. I mean, he already has. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, in the future. I know. I get, I forward, get what you're yeah. broken, broken leg DeAndre Baker. Yes. Uh, Leighton Y, 44. I thought having Mahomes as our quarterback would attract free agents, but it hasn't. Why do you think that is? We got a lot of emails like this, too. So shout out to all those people as well. Yeah, that's been the kind of baffling part of this free agency. And it might be baffling for the Chiefs front office as well. I mean, you've got the best player in the world. Why wouldn't teams want or players want to come and play for your team? In Trent Williams' you know, situation, I think he wanted to be in San Francisco. He wanted to put his family there. And he wanted to play for another six years. I don't know if the Chiefs, you know, obviously the Chiefs aren't in San Francisco. But I don't know if the Chiefs were willing to commit that long to him. Juju Smith-Schuster had said that he wanted to stay in Pittsburgh because of the talent on Kansas City's roster. He didn't think he was going to get the ball as much in the Kansas City passing game. So he stayed there as well. You've seen lots of instances now of players that the Chiefs have been in on and have stayed at their respective areas. David Andrews as well. Players get comfortable in places. And in order to get them away from those places, you typically have to pay them a lot of money to come to your place. This isn't like, you know, like late in their career NBA or late in their career NFL players even that are willing to take deals that are beneficial to be on super teams to go win rings. That doesn't happen. It just doesn't. I mean, we talk about it all the time how, you know, 
Come win a ring. It's real nice. Come win a ring. You want to come win a ring. You still got to get paid. Like these guys want to take care of their families. Don't they're not going to take less, you know, just to come win a ring when they can get these paydays that take care of them for life rather than taking a discount to come play in Kansas City. I think the Chiefs got in the door partially because of Patrick Mahomes on Trent Williams too. Oh, I so believe that. I don't, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I I think there's a little bit there's a there's a balance here. Uh so you know, I think I think they got a shot at him, be, partially because Mahomes was working on him. The best player in the world was working on him. But I mean, money talks. The Chiefs have been competitive in a lot of spots, but I don't know if they've had the highest dollar in a lot of offers. And maybe they were hoping that they could get a small discount because of Mahomes, and that just didn't work out. I don't know. But I I wouldn't look into it too much. I don't think wasted motion. Do the Chiefs no longer care about positional value like they did under Dorsey? They have spent a lot of assets on less valuable positions. First and second round picks on a running back and a lining back, the richest linebacker, the richest guard contract in NFL history this offseason. We found Maddie's burner. This is Maddie's burner. Where's I believe so, yes. I believe this is Maddie's burner, yes. Um, I do think that there is some deviations away from what the Chiefs have done in the past, for sure, uh, At you know, with, from a positional value perspective. Um, they have maybe not prioritized the athletic testing in some areas as they normally do. Breland Speaks was not an elite athletic tester, for instance. Um, I don't think that they value you know athleticism at every single position the way some other players do. Or maybe maybe a, a John Dorsey did. He was a very big height, weight, speed guy in a lot of different areas. Um, so I do think there is some validity to that. Um, but I mean, it's like I mean John Dorsey spent a second round pick on a guard i mean it's not like it's not like john dorsey completely you know deviated away from you know some things either so uh rick ricardo istanbul boo uh are you are there any players currently on the roster that we think we can afford to trade for another valuable draft pick are we deep enough at any position to do something like that oh not really I, i mean this team lacks serious depth at a lot of positions even players that maybe could have been dealt for draft picks had no depth behind them like you trade chris jones all of a sudden your defensive tackle room gets really weak trade frank clark as we talked about earlier your defensive end room gets really weak you don't want to trade travis kelsey or tyree kill because then those positions get really weak as well just nothing that really makes a whole lot of sense because now they are paying for the run it back tour they're paying for a lot of these contracts that they let expire, one-year deals, you know, low-money things that they invested in these guys to bring back rather than trying to get the future. So now they're a little bit bare in the cupboard. It's going to be difficult to find guys like that. I think anybody that you see the Chiefs trade from here on out is going to be people that like they pick up that are camp bodies that they're going to cut anyway for you know late, late-round picks. I think part of my concern with this roster is the fact that there isn't any disposable parts at any position on top of the fact that there's like several starters that you need is one of the reasons I'm concerned about where the roster sits right now. One injury is going to decimate this team even more than it has in the past. That's, I mean, but this is the reality of spending big on your stars and having a top heavy offense Correct. or, or top heavy roster. Um, this is just the, the sins, uh, that, you know, these are, this is the price you pay mm-hmm. in those situations. Josh Silstra, if you had to pencil in a position for the first three rounds of the draft, what would they be? Tackle, defensive end, wide receiver. I think you can find value. I think if you ask me to pencil in a spot on the interior of the offensive line too, 
uh, in round four. If you're going to ask me, to, I, could, I could pencil in round 442. That's just my opinion. Mm. I no would, chick. I, w- I, w- I, would throw, I would throw safety in round four. I, no. think, that, I think that's going to be the sweet spot for the getting The thing about that. defense, though, is it doesn't matter. Yeah, but it kind of does. So, <laughs> listen, if you give me Jacoby Stevens in round four, I don't care what they did the rest of the draft. I'm happy. No chicken tonight, depending on how the rehabs go. Could bringing back Eric Fisher or Mitchell Schwartz be a possibility? I alluded to Fisher a couple times earlier in this podcast. I think he's probably the most likely of the two if I had to guess right now. I think that Eric Fisher, if he's ready to go midseason, the Chiefs could bring him back. Now, obviously, that takes Eric Fisher to agree to it as well. And I don't know that anybody's going to take that stab on him if the Chiefs aren't. So I, I would keep an eye on him specifically. But I think you see them moving on from Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle. Lucas Niang's here. They are keeping Mike Rimmers. I think that they are going to be comfortable with that rotation and it will take a serious injury for them to kind of come back to Mitchell Schwartz and say, hey, buddy, I hope you're not retired. Please come play right tackle for us. The real case swag. Where do you think the disconnect comes uh, from when it comes to fans thinking players will sign minimum deals to chase rings? I'd say maybe the NBA, but it's the same type of players taking those deals, aging vets with diminishing production. Yes, I think you're right. I think it's the aging vets with diminishing production that are taking those rings. But here's the thing. I think any player with any level of significant value is getting money, is getting legitimate money. And I think that's where the disconnect is. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's guys out there that the Chiefs can potentially, you know, like, I, okay, so think about Terrell Suggs. He was a midseason signing that was signing for pennies on the dollar because every National Football League team had money in their – you know, very limited cash to spend. So there really isn't going to be a significant market for a guy mid-season. It's more going to be about who can I win a ring with? And mm-hmm. a lot of those guys have already been paid for the year anyway. They've gotten a little bit of guaranteed money that year already. <laughs> yeah, Suggs, Suggs already made his contract for that year. Like, he made his bank for that so, year already. So, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, you know, I mean, that's just the reality of it. You know, those are the kind of guys that sign these little deals. These mid-season guys, those are the ones that wind up, you know, being able to, you know, come to Kansas City for, you know, a little bit of a discount or whatever. But it's not really a discount. It's just, I mean, that everyone's signing for nothing. No one's chasing money in the midseason. Everyone's chasing a ring. Mm-hmm. So those are the guys that, you know, the Chiefs could potentially get a couple of those guys in the midseason to help them. All right, Derek Vreeland, what's all this talk about the need for a wide receiver too when we have Byron Pringle on the roster? Make a case for why Pringle could be the starting X receiver. I think when Byron Pringle is on the field, you see that he is one of the more sure-handed players. He makes things happen with the ball in his hands. He's a big-bodied guy, and he gets open against man coverage. Those are the reasons why you would want him to be your ex-receiver under Andy Reid, and in limited duty, he has done that. Now, as we've talked about several times on the podcast in previous weeks, Byron Pringle doesn't always know where, where he is what he's doing he doesn't always seem to be on the same page and it is a recurring thing and Andy Reid needs his players to know where they are and what they are doing you see McCole Hardman get pulled off the field for a series because he'll run the wrong route you see Byron Pringle have that same thing the focus just isn't on Byron Pringle because everybody looks at him as a depth piece 
I don't know that you can expect that Byron Pringle is going to step in and be that guy. He's a nice guy to have on the roster. He's a nice guy to have there in case of injury. But frankly, he's probably never going to be the kind of X receiver that Andy Reid needs. And I'm not talking about high money, high value, high asset things, but he's probably never going to be able to play on the same page as everybody else and play as securely at that X receiver position to where he's going to be able to be on the field full time. 28 year olds don't break out. That's true. That's and true. The Chiefs, need, the Chiefs need another pass catcher bad. They need another weapon. Someone that can, with a little bit of ceiling. They lost two guys that played significant snaps last year. Let's not let's not kid ourselves. D. Rob and Sammy. Well, Sammy Watkins played snaps. We'll we'll just say snaps. Maybe not significant snaps, but with, when he two, was available, when he, he was available, he did. Those two guys, like they need another body desperately. And if you're looking for a body to fill, it should be that X receiver position. All right, that's going to do it for the laboratory mailbag. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back in the middle of the week with the draft show. Catch you later. Okay, I'm going to go unlock Maddie from the shed now. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.